Do you remember that commercial? I remember that commercial. The uh, Super Nintendo was one ninety nine. The Sega Genesis was one forty nine, and uh, the Sega Genesis was just starting to turn things around because they they did respectably well through the sixteen generation sixteen bit generation, but the Super Nintendo had always been kicking their ass. But when Mortal Kombat came out. And Super Nintendo had the sanitized version, no blood. When they punched each other, it was sweat that came off them instead of blood. And a lot of the more uh, 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 grotesque fatalities were changed around to make them a little less... Uh, uh, like, like instead of ripping your head off with the spine, you turned into ice cubes and fell to the ground. Ooh. So anyway, uh, that was when Sega Genesis really finally started coming into its own. And uh, these games, where is my phone? Here it is. Let me tell you the games that are currently out, because I've got all of them, or at least all of them I could find. And uh, you got Sonic 1, Sonic CD, uh, Crazy Taxi, and a new version of Crazy Taxi, which plays a lot like Sonic Dash, which is also on here, where you just, your car's going, and you're just going from lane to lane, swipe right, swipe left, there's three lanes. And uh, you got to be in the right lane to get the coins and all that other stuff. Hmm, excuse me. Altered Beast is on this. Fantasy Star 2, Comic Zone, Kid Chameleon. Uh, uh, well, Sonic uh, Sonic something. 
I can't read it. Anyway, these games are all free. Now, of course, that means there's ads. And in some of the games, the ads can be a little bit uh, uh, over the top. Uh, the nice thing about them is they're 30-second they're ads, but usually after three or five seconds, depending on the ad, you can go ahead and, and click through and start playing your game again. But uh, uh, Sonic works pretty good on it because it's all touch controls. Uh, but a game I've been playing the hell out of... Hand me the sacred spice, mutant. Take this it, one. but leave my ultra-vision goggles. I cannot survive without them. So you want to live in a comic book? Greetings, puny mortals. Mm. Welcome to the comic zone. Slay fiendish villains that get drawn back in page by hellish page. You'll feel right at home. From the darkness of the oven, the slain beast. We will live another day. Comic zone, only for Sega Genesis. So early 90s. <laughs> so early 90s. So anyway, Comic Zone works really good. Uh, and that was a period when... A lot of great games were coming out. Vector Man was coming out. Um, uh, Mickey Mania. And it, I know it's Mickey Mouse. But it's still a great platformer. It was an awesome game. Um, um, what was the other one? I had another one in my head. And now, ooh, Earthworm Jim actually came out for, for both Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis. But actually, uh, in, in a rarity, the Sega Genesis version was actually better. Um Altered Beast is on here, and I've been playing a little bit of that. But the game that I can't get enough of is Crazy Taxi. Game rated T. Remember this commercial? They're all in a DMV. Now that game works wonderfully because uh, uh, you can actually use uh, use tilt controls, and uh, tilt controls are cool because it's actually how a uh, mobile device should work when you're playing a game. So you can actually tilt it and move it around and do all this cool stuff. And you're playing Crazy Taxi, and it's the uh, Sega Dreamcast version of uh, Crazy Taxi. So you can uh, uh, you can choose the arcade or the arranged version, which has some uh, different different areas to drive through and stuff. It's really a great game, and it translates so well on the uh, on the phone. And so far, that's the uh, that that's the pick of everything that's been released so far is uh, Crazy Taxi because it works well. Kid Chameleon's all right. Fantasy uh, Star Two I actually haven't started yet. Because I know once I get into this Final Fantasy game, I'm never getting back out. So uh, so I'm hesitating going in. Uh, Sonic Dash is okay. Baby Girl likes that one. She's four and she plays Sonic. She plays the hell out of Sonic Dash. And the new version of Crazy Taxi, which plays like Sonic Dash. Uh, Sonic CD, of course, has all the uh, great music and uh, some, some 3D elements. Because uh, when Sega came out with their CD, uh, they started doing some innovative things like uh, 3d and all that then they also started doing some uh, crappy things there was a bunch of uh, full motion video games out f uh, fmvs they were called uh 
uh, Sewer Shark and stuff. Night Trap was actually pretty good. Dana Plato was in that one from uh, from Different Strokes. And I know all of you kids are looking at me like I have two heads right now. But there was a show called Different Strokes. Dana Plato was a huge star. She was on it. And uh, uh, so anyway, she, she's in this game. And it's uh, it, it's a horror game based on uh, vampires who drill into your neck. And you got to spring traps to save the people in the house. And it's... It's an innovative, fun game, but most full-motion video games were crap. And uh, the Sega CD, I mean, you could only have 16 on-screen colors at the same time, so everything looks kind of grainy. But uh, still, still, it was fun. But I couldn't, uh, couldn't very well do a show called No Girls Allowed and not cover some video games. So there it is. All those Sega games for your phone, and there's going to be more. And I'm going to cover them as they come out, because I'm a big Sega guy. I had the Super Nintendo towards the end of the run, because I wanted to play Star Fox and Stunt Tracks FS, FX, and the uh, Super Star Wars games. So I uh, I got one towards the end of the run, right before uh, uh, the PlayStation came out. I had a 3DO. I even had the 32X for the Sega Genesis and the Sega CD. I spent a lot of money on uh, hardware that wouldn't last very long. But hey, at least I never bought a Sega Saturn. Uh, one thing I did buy, though, was that new uh, new menu item from Taco if Bell. you like the iconic Chalupa from Taco Bell, you're going to love this. Double the seasoned beef with nacho cheese sauce. The new limited edition Double Chalupa. Love it while it lasts. Only at Taco Bell. Love it while it lasts. Only at Taco Bell. Double Chalupa. Mm. I'm a big Chalupa guy. I love Chalupas. Uh, this one was almost almost too much. You couldn't really get the damn thing in your mouth because it is huge. It's double wide. It's got a flat bottom, a curved end up front, and a closed-off end in the back. And uh, and it's huge. It is huge. And uh, double the meat. And uh, it's got sour cream and uh, tomatoes, lettuce. I mean, the whole nine yards. It's a, uh, it's a supreme. But I don't know. I love, I love chalupas, but this, this didn't work. It was all right. Um, I, I haven't eaten my last one. I'll tell you that. But it's not as good as the uh, uh, taco burrito. And it's not even as good as the uh, five-liter beefy burrito, which I just had one of those the other day. Oh, those are so good. So good. I keep going back. Talking about something else I keep going back to, and I'm really embarrassed to admit this. This is the etiquette of eating a mushroom and Swiss king. Tell me when to chomp. No chomping. Okay. A nice, elegant bite. Can you do Eating? elegant? No. The new Mushroom and Swiss King with a half pound of beef, sautéed mushroom, and crispy bacon. As big as it is fancy. Only at Burger King. Yeah, I went back to Burger King. I know. I know. Last podcast, I said I'm never going back there. But they had that Mushroom Swiss Burger. And, you know, I had to uh, I had to go inside. I went up to the counter because... Say, f*** with the drive-thru. So I went up to the counter, make sure they get my order right. And uh, they did because I was right there watching them. Because I, I didn't go through the drive-thru. Say, f*** you with the drive-thru. Nope. Now with, now with uh, Burger King. And I was looking forward to going in because I know this Burger King has one of them Coca-Cola freestyle machines. And if you know me, you know I like I like Coca-Cola freestyle machines. So I get my cup and I go over to the freestyle machine. First of all, from the tray on down, 
The thing is covered in sticky, dried soda. I don't know when the last time this thing was clean, but uh, it wasn't that day. I'll guarantee you that. And I'm like, holy crap, look at this. It is disgusting. So I'm looking through my options, and I'm like, you know what? High C. You know, I know I'm white, but every once in a while, I want a high C. So I decided I decide to uh, get the high C. I hit the button, nothing happens. It's It's got a touch screen. If you're not familiar with freestyle Coca-Cola machines, these are huge machines that have a screen on them, about a 13-inch touch, touch screen, and you can select your beverage, and uh, then you can select your flavorings. Oh, man, they got vanilla, and they got cherry, and they got grapefruit. They got all these different uh, mix-ins you can put in your drink. It's really cool. I said, I'm going to get me a high C. So I hit the button, nothing. So what the? Hit the button again, nothing. I pressed really hard. Ah, it came up. Option not available at this time. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I'm looking around, looking around. Oh, there's a Fanta. Ah, screw it. I'm going to have a Fanta. I haven't had a Fanta in a while. I pressed the button, nothing. Press the screen again, nothing. Pushing really, really hard. It comes up. Product not available. I said, okay, screw it. I'm just getting a squirt. So I just got a squirt, filled it up, didn't let the cup actually touch to the tray, tray, and the whole entire machine from the tray down is just soaked with dry soda. Nasty. Like, this is disgusting. So now I go over, to the, I, I need to get me a cap and a straw. I go over there, I'm about to set my soda down, and I notice the tray over where you get your caps and straws is full of dried soda. I don't know, Burger King. I don't know what you think you're doing. But you can't go through the drive-thru. Say, f*** it with the drive-thru. And you get really, really disgusted when you go inside to uh, to, to get your food. I don't know what you're doing. But I, I gave you another chance, and you screwed me again. I mean, I'm not going through the drive-thru. Say, f*** it with the drive-thru. So I got to go inside and look at that nasty machine. Why don't you guys clean the machine? Now, when I ordered my food, I told the dude behind the counter, I said, Listen, Jack, last time I was here, I ordered some Mac and Cheetos, and they weren't in the bag. I said, So make sure the Mac and Cheetos get in that bag. And I'm hoping he's going to give them to me for free or maybe give me two orders because I'm a big, fat pig. And he, uh, no, he did give me two cookies, so I did get two free cookies. But, uh... No, he didn't give me no free Mac and Cheetos. By the way, those Mac and Cheetos are absolutely wonderful. They're they're a 10, and I know I'm a sellout. They don't pay taxes in America. And I know I'm a great big sellout. But I had to. I just had to to have the Mac and Cheetos. I did get the Mac and Cheetos. So I got the Mushroom and Swiss Burger. So here's the question. How is the Mushroom and Swiss Burger? It's awesome it is awesome the swiss cheese tastes so good and it's so smooth and it's melted just perfectly on top of these sauteed mushrooms oh so good and it's a double burger i mean basically it's just a double whopper i mean it's on that bun with uh that meat and uh uh sauce i can't remember what sauce probably uh mayonnaise uh swiss cheese and mushrooms and Sometimes nothing tastes as good as a Burger King burger. 
And I noticed this, and maybe I'm just a schlub for advertising, but I really noticed this back in 2007. I'm watching Iron Man, and Tony Stark gets back. He's rescued, gets back to America, says, I gotta have an American cheeseburger. And he goes walking out of that limo, holding that Burger King bag. And I'm like, you know what? Sometimes nothing tastes better than a Burger King burger. Don't get me wrong, McDonald's is still my number one guy. But Burger King really does it right. So, anyway, that's my uh, that's my sellout. That's what I did. I sold out, and uh, I'm ashamed. Couldn't help it, though. I, uh... I don't regret it a bit. The mushroom and Swiss, go get it. Uh Cheetos, still there. Go get them. They're really, really good. All right, man. Let's talk about uh, Alien versus Predator. I mean, this is the uh, this is the milkshake that brought all the boys to the yard. So let's talk about it. Seven days ago, one of my satellites over Antarctica discovered a pyramid. Where exactly on the ice is this? It's not on the ice. It's 2,000 feet under it. Let's make history. Oh, my God. Whoever built this pyramid believed in ritual sacrifice. Did you hear that? Did you say this room was called? Sacrificial chamber. This door is all here. This whole thing was a trap. They're not hunting us. We're in the middle of a war. They're using us as bait. since we saw the alien skull in Predator 2 on board the Predator ship we dreamed of this moment alien versus predator and uh, you know it captured our imagination and uh, it's something there were comic books there was even video games based on it 
Alien, Predator, predator. Sci-Fi's baddest boys together at last with a little time to kill. You're a predator on a planet infested with aliens. You've got high-tech weapons, they've got mutant guardians with special powers, and the big mean queen that'll kill to protect her eggs. Ten awesome levels. You hunt with the moves, the spears, discs, lasers, and invisibility powers, but they keep coming with acid fangs and claws. You're a hunter-predator. You came to fight. You came for the action. You came for the aliens. (laughs) That was on the Super Nintendo, and uh, I don't feel like it sold very well, but uh, it was out there. Now, one one game that did make an impact, and it did sell well, Atari put out a video game system called the Jaguar, and it was a 64-bit system uh, like the uh, uh, Nintendo 64 was, and uh, it never got a lot of traction, and I don't know why. There's news, by the way, of Atari getting back in the console market. So we'll see if that happens. But uh, they were their last system was the uh, Atari Jaguar, and it had a it had a version of Doom on there, Wolfenstein, and uh, wasn't known for very much. But it did have a version of Aliens vs Predator. <laughs> Introducing Alien vs. Predator for the 64-bit Atari Jaguar. You might not want to play it alone. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
and uh, assuming you like them, I love them. Um, a spoiler alert. Uh, so anyway, where are we at? There it is, August twelfth, two thousand four, in the United States. It came out August thirteenth. It's a hundred and one minutes. The budget was sixty million. It made a hundred and seventy-two and a half million dollars. This movie, the uh, the cast of this movie, Sarah Lathan as Alexa Woods. Now you wouldn't know Sana Lathan from anything. This is the only thing you'd know her from. Uh, her filmography is kind of uh, kind of brief. Well, look at that. She was in Blade. Uh, the Best Man, let's see, Love and Basketball, uh, let's see what else was she in, anything else, Contagion, so she was in a couple of things, Now You See Me Too, and, uh, but anyway, super hot, whew, this chick's smoking hot, and, uh, she plays an experienced guide, and, uh, she knows all about the Arctic and the Antarctic, uh, Lance Henriksen, he's back in this one as Charles Bishop Whalen. The billionaire head of Whalen Industries, a subsidiary of Whalen Corporation, which he is also the head of. Raul Bova as Sebastian de Rosa, an Italian uh, uh, archaeologist who's able to translate the pyramid's hieroglyphics. Um, let's see. Whoa, there we are. Colin Salmon as Maxwell Stafford. He's the assistant to uh, Mr. Whalen. Now, you're going to know this guy because... He was the leader of the team that went into uh, the mansion in uh, Resident Evil. So he's worked with Paul S. Anderson a few times. Tommy Flanagan. You're going to know him if you've ever watched Sons of Anarchy. He's the uh, he's Chibs from Son- Sons of Anarchy. Um, and that, That's about it as far as the uh, big names go. So how'd they get these two movie monsters together? And uh, you know this is this felt a lot like when uh, uh, Mummy met Frankenstein and all the all those other ones, uh, Wolfman versus Frankenstein. Uh, so anyway, it starts out if you've got the extended edition. Now I got the Blu-ray that came in a in a combo pack with this and Requiem, which is the uh, uh, it's the sequel to it. Now I remember not liking that one at all. We'll find out next week because I'm going to rewatch it and uh, re-review it. But uh, it came in a combo pack, and they're all uh, un- uncut director's cut, you know, whatever whatever that means. So this one starts out with uh, uh, predator, predators killing aliens on pyramids. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Uh, then it flashes forward to 1904 up in the uh, Arctic in a whaling station. And uh, uh, everybody gets killed by predators and aliens. And then it uh, flashes to 2004. A satellite detects a mysterious heat bloom beneath an island 1,000 miles off the coast of Antarctica. Wealthy industrialist Charles Bishop Whalen, who's Lance Hendrickson. Now, if you remember, he played Bishop in uh, uh, Aliens. He was the robot named Bishop. Uh, discovers through thermal imaging that there is a pyramid buried 2,000 feet beneath the ice. He attempts to claim it for his multinational communications company, Whalen Industries, and assembles a team of experts to investigate. The team includes archaeologists, linguistic experts, drillers, mercenaries, and a guide named Alexa Woods. And that's our our Ellen Ripley for uh, for this episode because... 
every one of these seems to have to have a Ellen Ripley. Well, that's that's this one for this episode. Uh, as a predator ship reaches Earth's orbit, <coughs> excuse me, it fires a beam that creates a passage through the ice towards the source of the heat bloom. When a team arrives at the abandoned whaling station above the heat source, they find a passage and and descend beneath the ice. They locate the mysterious pyramid and begin to explore it, uh, finding evidence of a prehistoric civilization and what appears to be a sacrificial chamber filled with human skeletons with ruptured rib cages. Meanwhile, three predators, consisting of Scar, Celtic, and Chopper, arrive and kill all the humans on the surface. So they're, uh, they're a team of mercenaries they brought with them to protect them. Uh, they, they get taken out first, before anybody knows anything. Um, so the team makes their way down to the pyramid and arrive just, uh, uh, just as they uh, activate a structure. The alien queen awaken, awakens from a cryogenic stasis and begins to produce eggs. When the eggs hatch, several facehuggers attach themselves to humans trapped in a sacrificial chamber. So what these guys did was they, uh, they're exploring this uh, pyramid. And they come across a uh, chamber, and it says, uh, uh, those who choose may enter, is, is how they interpret the hieroglyphics. Later on, they uh, understand it actually says, those who are chosen may enter. So these are the people chosen to, uh, to sacrifice themselves for the predators. Okay, the eggs rise up, and there's uh, uh, little altars all the way around. The eggs rise up. With facehuggers, and that's where the aliens come from. Every hundred years on this whaling station, for the uh, for the predators to hunt, it's a rite of passage. It's how they turn into uh, adults. Uh, let's see, where are we at? Uh, chestbusters emerge from the humans and quickly grow into adult aliens. Now, again, this is another time where it happens as fast as it needs to for the plot. Sometimes it takes days. Sometimes it takes minutes. Uh, in this movie, it takes minutes. Um, conflict erupts between the predators, aliens, and humans, resulting in several deaths. Uh, Celtic and Chopper are killed by an alien, and Waylon is killed by Scar, while allowing Alexa and uh, uh, Sebastian uh, enough time to escape. The two witnesses, the two witness Scar, kill a facehugger and an alien with uh, uh, before unmasking and marking himself with the blood of a facehugger. Now, while he has the mask off, marking himself, uh, a facehugger, boom, attaches himself to Scar. It's like, oh, what's going on here? Um, okay, now Sebastian translates the hieroglyphics in the pyramids. And uh, this is what he discovers. Thousands of years ago, these hunters found a backwater planet. They taught humans how to build and were worshipped as gods. Every hundred years, the gods would return. And when they did, they would expect a sacrifice. Humans were used to breed the ultimate prey.
fighters would battle these great serpents to prove themselves worthy to carry the mark. But if the hunters lost, they made sure nothing survived. Nuke the whole place. An entire civilization wiped out overnight. They destroy everything to make sure that the aliens don't get to the surface. So if they lose, they kill themselves along with every alien. So this is a ritual that happens every hundred years. While Alexa and Sebastian decide the predators must be allowed to succeed in their hunt so that the aliens do not reach the surface. When Sebastian is captured by an alien, leaving only Scar and Alexa to fight against the aliens. The, the two form an alliance and use a self-destruct device to destroy the pyramid and the remaining aliens. Alexa and Scar reach the surface where they battle the alien queen. They defeat the queen by attaching its chain to a water tower and pushing her over a cliff, dragging her to the ocean floor below. Scar, however, is impaled through the torso by the alien queen's tail and succumbs to the wounds. A, pred a predator ship uncloaks and several predators appear. They retrieve their fallen comrade and an elite predator presents Alexa with one of their spear weapons in recognition of her skill as a warrior as evidenced by the symbol Scar burned on her cheek with alien blood before he died. As the predators retreat into space, a chestburster with a hybrid form of an alien and a predator erupts from Scar's chest. Oh my god, what happens next? We'll have to find out next week. And Because uh, that's where the movie ends. This uh, alien bursts out of uh, uh, Scar's chest. And he's got the mandibles over his mouth that the Predators have. So uh, he'll, he'll be known in the next movie as a Pred-Alien. Excuse me. And uh, so this movie was good. The, the problems I had with it, so frustrating. Back then, Fast and Furious was just coming on. And uh, all these big, big action movies were hitting. And the big thing was, when action started, you slow the frame rate down to like 22 frames a second. So everything's moving fast and it's jerky and it's almost like watching it through a strobe light. So we'd been waiting low these many years, since 1989 or 90 or whenever Predator, Predator 2 was. We've been waiting to see these two beasts go at it. Oh, couldn't wait. We're, we're playing video games. We're reading comic books. Finally, it makes it to the screen, and you watch the fight through what is essentially a strobe light. I just want to see them fight. I don't know why when you when you do a tentpole movie, a movie that's supposed to transcend, that's always supposed to be there and be a part of Americana, a part of pop culture, you can't go ahead and give in and do the... Uh, uh, filmmaking trends of the day that that doesn't work I mean it's like it's like doing a found footage alien back in 99 it, it's not going to work you know <laughs> people are going to forget that style of movie making and forget those movies that are made in that style so if I have a complaint that's that's my biggest complaint overall I thought it was a decent movie now of course it has to uh 
has to happen in an alternate timeline now since this is uh, 2004 and the aliens aren't even created until what was it uh, 2103 2113 I can't remember but uh, so anyway I'm not sure how they're going to rectify that or even if they're going to bother these movies are not well received nor are they well liked so they'll probably just let them die in the vine I'm not sure but uh, I'll remember them and I'll watch them. And uh, that's it. That's it. Oh, listen to this. Now, Rick Derringer is the guitarist and the writer for Hulk Hogan's theme music. Listen to these lyrics. This is so early 80s. I love it. I gotta be a man. Love it. Nobody else gets the blood pumping. Can you hear this? Oh, listen to that guitar. Wait, just wait. The best is coming. Yeah. Listen to the female backup singer. Love it. I got Courage. Courage will keep us free. Listen to that backup singer. Wait, the best is coming. Listen to that guitar solo. And crank it up. Oh, I am not going to let that slide. (laughs) All right, next, next week, should be next week. Maybe week after, but I think next week. Uh, I'm going to do Alien versus Predator Requiem. And then we'll be all done with the Aliens versus Predator movies. And I'm going to decide at that point what to do next. But until then, we will see you on Big Lip Radio. Drive-thru. Say, f*** you with the drive-thru.